Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for downloading this week's episode of the Attacking Scrum podcast. This is a slightly makeshift one due to the weather. I've ended up stuck in Bristol for the weekend and Dan is stuck in Dublin. So unfortunately, we've uh, we've not been able to uh, record together. And also, I wasn't planning on being here tonight. So I don't have my laptop, not able to do all the usual editing and put the music on it and Dan's recorded some nice stuff out in Dublin which I would have loved to have edited in but unfortunately we're not able to do that for you but rather than put nothing out we thought it would be better if I did a podcast on my own uh, which uh, thankfully we've had some some cracking questions in from listeners so I'm going to be getting stuck into those very very shortly before we do that as always a big thanks to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades Uh, again if you've not tried this before Obviously, you know Scott has sponsored us for uh, for a couple of seasons now, but we're genuinely massive fans of the of the brand and of the coffee. It's great stuff. It's a young Welsh business, and uh, yeah, it's, if you're a coffee lover, you you won't be disappointed. To so head over to SoCoffeeTrades.co.uk, and one more mention for another supporter of the podcast. We gave away some tickets thanks to the Indigo Group a couple of weeks ago, and uh, yeah, that was a really fantastic, popular competition. We're hoping to be doing the same again for some games later on in the Six Nations so again another big thanks to them but if you're a fan of uh, of your local rugby if you follow the Welsh Premiership you'll know Indigo Group sponsor that keep your eyes on their Twitter account and follow the hashtag win tickets Wednesday and you can get your hands on some uh, on some tickets for Welsh Premiership games as a as a as as a result of uh, Indigo Group sponsorship so yeah keep your eyes on that right let's crack on with some of the questions though obviously a very disappointing weekend of rugby for any Wales fan, and you know I'm certainly uh, I'm certainly bitterly disappointed with the result. I think the performance was disappointing too, and we'll get into why that is. But I think the biggest frustration is Wales didn't play particularly well uh, and couldn't really string much play together. I thought there was some nice stuff from the backs, but the breakdown was very very difficult for us. We looked vulnerable in defence, which we've not been used to as a result of 
kind of having well drilled Sean Edwards coached defense drills that, that have meant we we've looked very very solid over the over the past few years. So that's something we're not used to. But I think the really frustrating thing was in the second half we were still very much in that. You know, if Hadley Park scores that try, then I think it, it could have been a very very different outcome towards the end of the game. So a really frustrating one. Something I found frustrating as well, and we're definitely going to get onto this is it's provoked the kind of knee-jerk reaction on Twitter and on social media. There's a lot of people very, very angry at Pivag. You know, George North is is getting a hell of a lot of stick. I'm going to get into all of these reasons soon. But I suppose the first thing I wanted to mention was with regards to George North. You know, he had a, a poor game again yesterday by his standards. I think what we're dealing with here is a is a player who's been fantastic for Wales in the past. We shouldn't forget that. But I think he's out of form at the moment. And we've seen this in the past with Cuthbert and with Rhys Priestland. And the negativity really, you know, it's, it's not, it's not going to help. And I, everyone's got the right to criticise. Everyone would select different teams. And that's kind of the fun of being a, of being a fan of Welsh rugby is everyone's kind of got an opinion on these things. But... You know, I don't think we lost that game because of because of George North's performance. I don't think it was his finest game in a red shirt, and obviously there was a, you know, a, a, a pretty poor knock on towards the end, and there were some times we looked vulnerable around the outside. But these are the problems that we're going to have to we're going to have to solve. I don't think it's a question of saying that we lost that game because because of George North. You know, it's very easy to to kind of pick a, a scapegoat, and so that was the first thing I wanted to to pick up on. Let's get into some of these listeners' questions, though, because we had some some great some great correspondence with some of our regular listeners. First up is uh, from Garant Davis. Again, Garant, you will have heard, came on to do a tactical preview with us ahead of the Italy game, which was fascinating, and a lot of that stuff turned out to, turned out to be correct. So always good to chat to Garant, and hopefully we'll chat to him again fairly soon on the podcast. But he sent us in a question saying, how will the defensive strategy change for the next game, which, of course, is against France in a fortnight. Against Ireland, there was lots of, lots of men committed to the ruck, three or four per ruck, and uh, it allowed space out wide, seemed happy to allow Ireland space out wide. Well, I think that, that clearly looked like the strategy. I think Ireland won the breakdown, really. And I saw a lot of a lot of chat again on social media. I probably should just stay off it, but I saw a lot of chat on social media, kind of saying, you know, CJ Stander he's always lying over the ball, and I said exactly the same thing last week. But that's nothing new, you know. It, it all comes down to how the game is refereed. And I thought on on some occasions Roman Poit pinged CJ Stander for for kind of lying over the ball. Other occasions he didn't. You've got to prepare for that. And that's the disappointing aspect with regards to Wales' performance is I think you could have predicted before the game that that Stander was going to try and be a nuisance at the breakdown and you've got to try and counteract it, counteract it. And we weren't able to do that. So regardless of the refereeing calls, some of them I think Poit got wrong, some of them I think he got right. Stander ended up the game on, you know, in the bin. So it's not down to the referee. There are things you have to you have to overcome. And all too often in Dublin, the the breakdown has been the the cause of the cause of concern for us. It happened in twenty eighteen, but that was more down to the fact that Ireland got such quick ball they were kind of able to steamroller us. And on that occasion we didn't commit many men to the ruck. So I can see why for this game they were looking to to commit more men and, and look to slow that ball down. But we did look very vulnerable in the outside channels. That tactic clearly didn't work from 
a perspective of players fanning out. Now, I'm no expert when it comes to defensive strategy, but you can just see how how we were affected in those in those outside channels, offering the space out wide. Clearly, was a, a big enough incentive for Ireland to you know to get Stockdale into those channels. Conway, likewise, and, and Lama exploited them too. So it really didn't it didn't work in that regard. I don't think we were able to to slow the ball down enough to uh, to cause trouble at the breakdown. And then, likewise, the kind of the the fanning out across the pitch wasn't quick enough in order for us to to negate the the threat out wide. So that is absolutely something I would expect to change for next week and oh sorry sorry for a fortnight's time and more importantly I think it, it's an interesting one to see how we're going to address that for games against the likes of Ireland and I would say against England too because away from home it is a different kettle of fish it's much much harder the referee is always likely to to favour the, the home team a bit more particularly in a loud Aviva stadium as it was on Saturday You've got you've got to be able to figure out ways of beating the referee if you need to. So it's going to be fascinating to see how that happens at Twickenham. As for the game in Cardiff in two weeks, I think we'll put in a much better performance at the breakdown. And I think that's that defensive strategy will change. The thing I think is worth remembering is that that back line yeah, is the first time they've ever played together. It was Nick Tompkins' first start in a in a Wales jersey. And I was clamouring for him to be involved in the in the team. I don't think he had a particularly good game. Again, as with the George North point, I'm not blaming Nick Tompkins for any of this, but I think he would look back at his performance and say he'd be disappointed to be bumped a couple of times, disappointed that, that Wales looked, uh, that Ireland were able to exploit space outside him and outside North in the back line. So I think it is as much about them playing together as a collective unit as it is individuals so I certainly wouldn't be looking at Nick Tompkins and going right let's 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 drag him out of the side now I think it's in a way you want that familiarity to build so all of these are lots of things for the team to work on ahead of the France game so yeah in answer, in answer to the question I, I would expect to see that defensive strategy change in terms of allowing the space out wide and I just think that we're going to have ones and twos being a lot more aggressive at the breakdown against France and I think they'd look to look to kind of stop at source and and slow down, but in in ones and twos, you know, looking to contest for a lot more ball there. But we'll see, we'll see that very soon. And I would much rather get Garant's opinion on this because he knows a lot more about these things than I do. So hopefully, we'll get him on before the France game to do a preview. And I guess linked to this one, this is from Gareth Jordan. Have Wales slowed their line speed? Seem happy to concede space out wide. Uh, yeah, it looked that way, didn't it? I suppose there's always going to be a bit of a a transition when you've when you've been coached by Sean Edwards for twelve years. You know, one of the best coaches in the world to someone like Byron Hayward, who's making that step up, and will be looking to to do things his way. You could look at it and say the tactics were right to kind of allow that. You know, you could look at it on paper before the game, but obviously when it when it came to the crunch, it didn't it didn't work. And I can see why you'd be tempted to go to more of a drifting style. Not not normally teams play that old fashioned kind of drift defence anymore. But I could see kind of why committing more men to the breakdown and looking to drift out would be tempting against Ireland. It obviously didn't work. So I'm not sure whether it's perhaps the line speed slowed, but more that they were looking to play a bit more of an old fashioned drift rather than 
rather than blitzing up in the in the Sean Edwards way that we've that we've seen. And there were some occasions where the we were able to 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 jam up and blitz and and it worked. But yeah, I, I, it's very very closely linked to the first question. Allowing that space out wide didn't work for us and. I would expect to see that change in in future games because France are going to have are going to pose such a threat out wide and when they've got a player like Dupont playing as well as he has you if you get if you get quick service his range of passing is just absolutely superb they've got so many dangerous backs and you would be very very dangerous you would be very risky to try and allow someone like Vakatawa any any kind of space I think whenever he's got the ball you you've got to look to shut him down he's got such a good offloading game and the likes, yeah, the the likes of him are going to cause trouble. So, it's uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how they're able to to alter those tactics. But certainly, I I always feel more comfortable when Wales are playing with a very quick line speed because I think I think the modern game kind of dictates that you have to. We saw particularly during the World Cup sides pushing, and you know, in my opinion, a lot of the time we're we're past that offside line just with the the speed of the. Of the blitz defence, and I think if you're able to, if you're able to do that, it makes personally makes me feel a lot more comfortable. But maybe that is because we've been watching a Sean Edwards coach defence for over a decade now, and that's what we've become used to seeing. But I know, I know what you're getting at, Gareth. It certainly felt like it was a it was a slower line speed. Again, whether the two things are linked, then it was a, as a consequence of uh, of committing more men to the breakdown, quite possibly. Moving on, this one is from Ian Alexander. How long before the braying masses on Twitter call for Pivak's head? The the same crowd who uh, who uh, were critical of Warren Ball. As I said right at the start of the show, this is probably my biggest frustration of the whole weekend is how knee-jerk things are. Now, I don't think this is exclusive to Welsh rugby. I don't think it's exclusive to rugby. I don't think it's exclusive to sport. I think that in the social media age that we live in now, we have ended up in a position where everything is so polarised. It's black or it's white. You know, Wales win. They're the best side in the world. We beat Italy. Oh, we can beat anyone. We'll blow, we'll blow our very average Ireland side away. And then you lose to Ireland. Oh, it's all gone to pot. This side's no good. Pivak's not good enough to make the step up. Well, look, the fact of the matter is that we don't know yet whether Wayne Pivak is good enough to make that step up. We know what he's capable of with the Scarlets. We saw that. Fantastic. You know, he had produced a side that punched well above their weight, won titles domestically and put together a fantastic European run too. So we know that it's going to be a critical first year or two for him in charge of Wales, but you've got to give him that time in order of, of making that judgment. Now, I agree it was a poor performance all round against Ireland. The most disappointing thing being that I think we were in that game with a quarter to go and we should have we should really have, have taken our chances. Could it have been a completely different game if that scrum penalty doesn't go against us or if Hadley Parks gets the ball down and scores that try or indeed it's given? I think then that's a that's a, a very different scenario. So everyone I think not everyone, sorry, but those who are outraged at yesterday's performance just need to slow down a little bit and say these things are gonna take time because Having had such a settled side for so long, it's uh, it is inevitable that there is going to be a transition period, particularly as we're trying to evolve the way that that we play the game. I think there were some bright 
some some bright ideas in the back line. There was some nice stuff. You know, you look at Thomas Williams's try. You know, it was a beautiful back move with a, a, a brilliant offload from from Alan Jones, and then inside's a bigger, and then Thomas Williams running those great lines that he does and, and finishes it really well. So let's not completely panic. But it's going to take time for these players to get used to playing together, to playing a new style of rugby. I agree it's frustrating. And I think all the, the, the players and the and the coaching staff would have been frustrated with the performance. And I'm not making excuses here, but the weather definitely made things difficult too. It, it is freak, you know, freakishly bad weather. Now, again, you've got to be able to adjust to these things. But I think if you've trained a certain way for a couple of weeks, particularly with a view towards trying to keep the ball in hand, then then it is going to disrupt these things. Finally, the other thing that that is definitely not worth uh, that is that is worth remembering is it's not as though Gatland had a, a flawless record in Dublin. Far far from it. You know, he had a great win there in his first year in charge. We got comprehensively beaten in 2010. 2012, again, we had another win, but that was Gat's last Six Nations win in Dublin. After that, we got comprehensively beaten in 2014 in a similar kind of game, really. 2016 was that bizarre draw. And then 2018, I thought, you know, we, we were blown away in the first half, got back into it, and, and Ireland got away at the end with a, an intercept off Gareth Anscombe's big mispass. So it's not like... You could very easily have, have put Warren Gatlin in charge of that side and, and the result still ended up the same. I think the thing that's diff- that, is, that is different is that under Gatlin there was that real sense of belief and going into the game in the last, in the last 20 minutes, we saw time and time again under Gatlin that Wales could play badly for a large chunk of the game and still get away with a win. Particularly, you think back to the, that performance against France last year, which got the Grand Slam underway against Scotland in the same the same campaign and, and plenty of times during the World Cup. Wales got very good at, at winning by only really playing good rugby for a quarter. So that's something that I think Pivak will be looking to instill within them. But to go back to that point, you know, I just think we have a tendency to get very hysterical about things. Uh, obviously, you know, rugby is a, a big passionate thing for 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 Welshmen and women. But the hysteria is the bit that I don't I don't quite understand. And the need to kind of say, oh, everything's gone to pot now. There would have been people who, who were saying, like like Ian suggested, over periods of time that Gatlin, you know, Warren Ball isn't working, we're we're too one-dimensional. And look, you know, I there were probably times that I, I wanted us to see us mix it up a bit. I think the thing that I'm just so keen to see from people, and this is why I, I love having answering these questions and the people who get in touch on Twitter with us generally are pretty rational, reasonable people. And that's what I always wanted this podcast to be is having some room for debate and nuance and yeah, have differences of opinion and differences in who people want to say. But what I hate is that how social media can sometimes turn things into, you know, are oh, you deluded if you think this is going to happen or yeah, simply not good enough. We don't know yet whether Wayne Pivak's going to be a successful Wales coach or not we haven't seen enough evidence we've had a drubbing of Italy at home in the first competitive fixture and a disappointing performance away that's two games we can't start to judge yet we're going to need a a full season to start with and then you start to have a better idea of it so I'm very much holding judgment back then and I think that's the thing that I find frustrating about social media but at the same time I also find rewarding when um 
when a lot of you guys who, who get in touch with us have got that you know that ability to see things from a different perspective and and say to one another you know oh yeah I don't agree with you necessarily on that here's how I take of it and that's the thing that I think is missing from so much of the of not just social media but of mainstream media now is this need to sensationalize everything and the need to to hit the biggest amount of conflict yesterday was disappointing it was not a disaster and that's the thing that I think we need to realize plenty more coming up for you in the second half more listeners' questions, and I'm going to have a look ahead to that game against France in a fortnight's time. So all of that is coming up after this very short break. Welcome back to the Attacking Scrum podcast. Still got more listeners' questions to get through, and the first of those is from Rob Thomas, again, a regular contributor to this pod. Thanks for getting this one in touch, Rob. Everyone focusing on defence but we lost a lot of crucial set piece and we lost the breakdown against Ireland. Surely this is a bigger concern. It's a really good point. And certainly we touched on that in the first half of the show, the battle at the breakdown. And I think that is a concern. Again, linked to some of those other points. You know, we've got Sam Walton in there as a, as a breakdown consultant. Now, Sam, is, as we know as a player, was one of the best exponents of that that we've ever seen. You know, arguably the best we've ever seen in a Wales jersey of of exploiting the breakdown, slowing ball down, winning penalties, winning turnovers. And, you know, maybe he would have had a, a different day out there if he was if he was uh, at his playing in his prime and had that number seven jersey on his back. But, you know, again, he's still finding his, his feet as a coach. There'll be things that he wants to implement into into the players that perhaps didn't quite didn't quite come across during uh, during that game against Ireland. And again, there's you know there's a lot of young players in there. Again, we see I think we see a lot of vilification on social media. I know I keep harping on about this, but we saw a lot of vilification of players like Dylan Lewis, and I saw a certain contingent of people giving a bit of stick to Leon Brown. Now I understand that I don't. Leon Brown is a, is a young player. Didn't have that much game time yesterday, and I thought he did all right when he came off the bench. He got bright future ahead of him, but likewise, you know, Dylan Lewis, he, he had a he had a bad time at, at the scrum but if we get if we give up on Dylan Lewis right now just because his scrummaging isn't necessarily the uh, where it needs to be for Wales to win stuff at, at international level well you know what what's the answer who do we bring back in yes we're missing Tom Francis could Will Griff John do a better job there well yeah maybe he could but could he offer around the park what Dylan Lewis does or or Leon Brown does well we don't know that until we see these players Pivot will have a better idea of that because he's got them in in the camp and he's training with them you know, every every week at the moment, but these are these are the, the crucial selections that that he's going to have to get right. But what I certainly don't want to see is us throw out Dylan Lewis and say, "Oh, he's just not a good enough scrummager." You know, these are things he's going to have to work on. If we'd have given up on Adam Jones at, uh, at this, you know, the similar level of experience because he wasn't fit enough, and at that stage in his career, he probably wasn't fit enough. We'd have never have got to see one one of, if not the best, tight head that Wales has ever produced. So. Again, like all of this, I don't see the baby thrown out with the bathwater. I think there's a lot of opportunity for him to grow. And I hope we're able to work with him as a scrummager to get better. But yeah, he, he didn't have a, a particularly good performance when it came to set piece. We had a tough time the week before at the scrum. We know that. I thought from my... I've only seen the game once yesterday. But I thought from my perspective, when Jones had a much better game, winning that early, that early scrum penalty. And I thought he got through a lot of donkey work. So yeah, set piece was a concern, perhaps... Line out, 
I think the weather will definitely have played a part in that. And when the line out, you know, it was only in, I think, the, the first seven or perhaps eight line outs that we had, we won them all and we managed to disrupt one of theirs. So, you know, statistics, as you know, I'm not a big fan of. You know, I don't like stats for stats' sakes, but I would say that that implied that it was going well for large courses of the game. But the the weather did play a part in that. These are areas to work on, but actually, I I would probably disagree with you slightly, Rob, and I would say that the the defence was a was a bigger area of concern. I think that just the ease that Ireland were able to find space was something that was definitely a worry, and perhaps they they could have been out of sight really if they'd have if they'd have finished all of those chances. And that's something we're going to have to get right against uh, against England and France because otherwise we'll be on the end of two more defeats. But I'm confident we can do that. I think again, you know, these these coaches, particularly Byron Haywood, working as a defence coach there, he's going to have he's going to need some time to get those players up to speed and as a unit. And as we said in the first half, the defence and the breakdown, I, I think, in this instance, are linked. We we didn't we didn't um, come out on top at the breakdown. Ireland definitely did. I don't think we were blown away, as you said. Games in the past, particularly in Dublin, I've seen us blown away at the breakdown and just, <laughs> it did make me laugh at one point where Johnny Sexton was talking about players coming in off their feet and cleaning out, which is pretty rich, you know, having seen what Ireland have and, and the Leinster have done for the last five years. But at the same time, I've seen those performances in the past where Wales have been blown away like that. So it wasn't the worst breakdown performance I've seen in the world. I just don't think we were able to get the dominance there that we would have wanted. Likewise, the scrum... I kind of feel like for large chunks of the game, it was, it was, um, the scrum was kind of parity. If not, we were slightly on top. We won that scrum penalty earlier on. And then there were lots of scrums that looked really steady. The ball got to the back of the scrum, was going nowhere. The backs were able to play, which probably is what large chunks of the world would like to see. But when it doesn't go that way, and you lose crucial scrum penalties and crucial lineouts. They're the things that can cost you games, and I think that is probably what happened yesterday. So it's a really interesting point from Rob, and thank you very much indeed for sending that one in. This one penultimate question is from Reese Knott. Worst case scenario, Biggers knock keeps him out for two weeks. Who will sit on the bench as Jared stars? I'm, if memory serves me correctly, Reese might well be a Cardiff Blues fan. Hence the the opinion there that Jared is going to star. So worst case scenario, yeah, bigger misses out. I hope that isn't the case, but in that scenario, it does it does become a bit tricky uh, because potentially Owen Williams isn't fit, as as Reece says in his tweet. And I don't know. I mean, my my gut says that that one or two of those, one or if not both of those players, will be available, and that's not based on anything other than the fact that you know Owen Williams was named in the starting lineup. So I'm I'm guessing it's more of a sorry, not the starting lineup, but the on the bench for the Ireland game and it was only a late withdrawal. So I'm hoping that, that there will be uh, some availability there. But look, if that if that is the case and neither of them are available, then yes, Jared comes into the, the starting lineup. Next cab off the rank, I would say, is probably Sam Davis. And again, he's obviously a very, very different player to Jared Evans. Offers that bit more of a bit more of a kicking game. And, you know, that's very much his strong point, kicking out of hand. He's playing with a lot more confidence at the Dragons this season than uh, than he has done in previous seasons at the Ospreys, where he kind of lost his way a bit. And to go back to those previous points about not wanting to, you know, throw players on the scrappy, I think Sam Davis is a prime example. You know, he's a player who was a, a junior world rugby player of the year. 
had some good opening seasons at the Ospreys, had some good performances in a Wales shirt. And again, you, you only need to go back three seasons and there were large chunks of uh, the Welsh rugby public, I think myself included, saying they'd like to see more of Sam Davis at 10 for Wales because he can maybe bring out uh, bring out more from the backs outside him. So he's another player who I think, you know, again, you, he's gone away, he's worked on his game, he's regained his confidence under Dean Ryan. And I think he's playing with that level of confidence that I think you can bring him back into that squad now. Whether or not he he's going to make it at international level, it's all, it's always such a big step up, and you know he's only had a handful of appearances, and certainly not for a for a large period of time. So it'll be interesting to see if if he is called up, whether or not he can he can make that um make that step up. But all you can ask is that he is that he plays well in a for his club side, which I think he's done very very well for the Dragons this season. So for me, he would be that next cab off the rank. But I think it, it would be much better if um if Biggers fit, just because he gives you that. He gives you that experience, and he gives you that degree of confidence. And he's been he's been in fantastic form this season. Certainly not his best game for Wales against Ireland, but he's been in great form for Northampton, and he, he's you know he's in fine form for Wales at the World Cup. So I think that you know the best case is that Bigger is able to come back in his fit, and I, I hope he is. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. As for Jared Evans, I'm a big fan of Jared. And I thought he showed some nice glimpses against Ireland. But again, he's still a young player finding his feet. I, I thought it was an interesting call in the first place that he lost his, his place on the bench. Because I think, you know, obviously the, the, the official party line was that Owen Williams can cover centre also. But having started with George North the week before, I thought they would have probably stuck with Jared Evans on the bench, offering you a running option at 10, knowing that George North could move into the centre and, and that Nick will do the job on the wing. So um, I, it was quite an interesting selection in the first place. Uh, but look, if if it comes to it, I, I think um, and Bigger isn't fit, then yeah, Jared stars and uh, starts rather. And, uh, and then, yeah, I think you either see Owen Williams or if he's not fit, then I would expect to see someone like Sam Davis called up into the side. Final question is from Paul Price, and he asks this, is the ill feeling of this loss a reflection of a fear of a slide of Welsh rugby, if you look at the under-20s and the sevens, etc.? Um, it's a really interesting point, and I hadn't really thought of it like that. My gut says no. I, I think it's more... I think the kind of the, the hysteria that I've been talking about throughout this show tends to come around the national side and tends to come around those 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 big internationals. And none of us like losing to our to our rivals and to our neighbours, whether that's England or whether that's Ireland or Scotland or whoever. So I think it is it is more down to the fact that perhaps you have a large chunk of people who perhaps don't watch club rugby or only come in at the you know, only kind of come in for the six nations and you know it's a reflection of that frustration that the national side isn't able to to show or hasn't in that one game been able to show some of the success of the, the previous 18 months. But I don't know whether the under-20s or the sevens come into it. And certainly the under-20s have had two very, very poor starts to the uh, to this campaign. However, it's, it's tricky age-grade rugby. And it's, you know, you can see sides have very poor Six Nations, then go on and have good um, good, uh, good Junior World Cups. So 
I don't know. It's a very, very hard thing. And, and the, the under-20s is about, is about bringing players through that pathway. You know, some of those players will make it and some of them won't. And I, I don't know. I don't think it necessarily captures as much of the imagination. I'm sure there are, there are those, you know, like me who watch the game and, and presumably like Paul himself, that you have a... And, and again, I, you know, I saw lots of people on Twitter on, on Friday night who, whose opinions I respect who were very frustrated with that performance and no one likes to see anyone in a whale shirt on the end of a on the end of a of a poor performance or a hammering whether that's under 27s or or the full internationals but I do think it's always the full internationals that brings in that big amount of support and that large amount of of expectation and hysteria and and I think a lot of it does stem from how successful we've been in the last 18 months if not longer, you know that. Well, in fact, yeah, you look back over the last decade, and we've had Grand Slams of plenty. We've had two World Cup semi-finals, and we've had six Nations Championships in there as well. So it's very, very easy to expect that to continue, just because. And uh, and as I say, look, the the overwhelming message for me is, is don't judge this this group of players or this group of coaches just yet, because we're two games into the rain. So I think there's. There's a lot more time needed, and and only time will tell whether or not this is going to be a successful period. But anyway, that brings us to a conclusion for this week's podcast. Um, hopefully, me and Dan will be able to have a chat during the week if we get time, uh, in order to to make up for the fact we haven't been able to have a chat uh, on this episode. Um, and it'd be nice to chat about a bit of Pro Fourteen Rugby as well because that returns this weekend, which uh, fills in the fills in the breaks uh, of the Six Nations. And I always find it a really, it's a really interesting point because a lot of people, um, you know, a lot of people only watch Six Nations and, and Wales internationals and there's so much more rugby out there. Um, now, again, I'm one of those who who loves loves watching rugby in all forms, obviously Welsh rugby. And so, yeah, look, you know, go and watch some, uh, go and watch some Pro 14 games, uh, get down and watch your, watch your premiership side or even your local side if you can. And, uh, you know, I, I, I always it's always interesting this time of year because you see a lot of people on Twitter who are of the same opinion, who want to see people get down to get down to watching grassroots rugby or to, to, you know, even just, just support the regions and stuff. And I think that's something in Wales that we've got to get better at. It's just making that game. Um, you know, and I, I think this is right to the top with, with how the game's marketed. We just want to make it as inclusive as, as possible and make that journey as easy for people to go, Oh, do you know what? I'm going to watch a, I'm going to watch some club rugby this weekend. So if you get that opportunity and you listen to this pod and you only kind of tune in for the for the Six Nations and for the Autumn Internationals, have a little stab at, at you know watching the the club rugby. And look, it's by no means an easy thing. I've supported the Dragons since their inception and uh, and Newport before that. So there's been plenty of ups and downs for me as a as a club rugby fan. But get in there, have a look, and see what uh, and see what it's all about because it's. Um, there is something fantastic about being a Welsh rugby supporter. So I know this has been a bit of a negative podcast at points, but let's try and have a look at those positives. And uh, and yeah, I look forward to chatting rugby with you again very, very soon. Thank you very much indeed for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network.